All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. You're listening to the Jason Greger Show presented by PlayAlberta.ca. If you gamble, use your game sense. Stay within your limit. Go to gamesense.ab.ca and learn more. Oilers, Ethan Morrow is our guest. Uh, Chop, can you hear me now, my man? Yes. All right. Worry about it. Hey, I'm good, man. Good. Good to, good to talk to you. Good to see you again. I think the last time I saw you were in town for one of the charity uh, tournaments, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. And um, yeah. uh, I was talking about you earlier, and uh, we got all these texts coming in. Man, Morrow's one of my favorite players. Like, I was looking at, at that team from those years in Edmonton, and um, in, a, in a blue-collar town, you know, Steve Stales was just through town, and Todd Marchand, and Mike Greer, and Ethan Morrow. Like, you, you, your team... Was it almost like I think a lot of the guys were naturally hard workers, but to be accepted into your room, like you had to work hard. Like even your best guys, Horkoff and Smith, were kind of more hard workers than naturally skilled guys. Yeah, that's. I think that's just a. It's a. It's a real credit to the people that were here when I got here because um, I, I learned everything I know um, playing in the NHL by watching other players. I, I was very fortunate to be drafted to Chicago and, and learn from the Sutters and Chelioses. And then when I get to Edmonton, I got Kelly Buckberger as my captain. Um, you know, you, you, people say fearless. He's actually is fearless. Um, <laughs> that, that, that word gets tossed around. So how, how, how do you not? Right. And then, uh, Billy Guerin, um, Dougie Waite. Um, but like you said, Mike Greer probably, maybe the best teammate I've ever had. Um, but yeah, we were just, um, 
I, I think like-minded and, and what the coaching staff really did and Kevin Lowe at the time and Mac T, they really rewarded that. So if you went out and, you know, blocked a shot or st- stood up for your teammate, you'd be on the video the next day. And that really resonated with me. Um, you know, it's pretty simple psychology, right? It's like, you know, you, you do this and you're going to get a pat on, the, pat on the ass. And it was really, and it was, but it works, right? It really works. And, and that's how I kind of, um, um, I was always like that, but I think it, it, I became a little more selfless. And, and uh, again, we were accountable to each other. And when you have a guy like Mike Greer, Todd Marshawn, or Ryan Smith, or Orkoff, Steve Stales, Jason Smith, everybody, um, everybody would do the same for me. So it was just, it was a natural progression. How much did you know about the orders when you were traded here? Um, so we were, uh, again, very fortunate to get to Chicago, but if you can go back, um, to those Detroit Colorado teams, um, we weren't quite good enough, right? We had like Ronick and Shelly and Belfort. Um, I was a high pick, but, I knew I wasn't going to be like, I was supposed to fit in with Ronick and Amante. I just knew that was never going to happen. So I went down to the other end with Probert and Sutter and <laughs> those guys taught me everything. Right. And then I didn't know a lot to be honest with you because my only, my only um, experience in the NHL was with Chicago and it was an older team. Um, I was by far the youngest player. I lived with Chelios um, and um I don't know if that was good or bad, but we had a great time. <laughs> but uh, so when I got to Edmonton, the first thing I noticed, uh, Jason, was that the, the the practices were so much faster. And I was playing with Todd and and Rosie, and I could, and I didn't realize how fast they were. And the first couple of weeks, I remember telling Bucky, like I'm dying, like I'm not in good enough shape to play. Like I could barely get through the practices. So. I think it was um, it was just a wake up call for me, and um, so to answer your question, I didn't know I didn't know it was that fast, and it wasn't the ice. It was just that we had a really fast team, and obviously, um, you know, from there, Chicago had a, a, a dismal decade before they got Taves and Kaner, and uh, we were always kind of competitive. So I didn't know much about the city. Um, I, 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 again, you're, you're you're just trying to hang on at that age, and uh, I think I did a pretty good job of doing that, and made a lot of great friends along the way. Ethan Morrow uh, joins us, and so Ethan, you mentioned that because you came in at the trade deadline in, in 1999, and uh, you played 14 games, and then it was your first playoff experience that you know first of I think three or four years against Dallas, and you know there was yeah. a legit rivalry there. Um, so that summer, then you realize, God, I like did you train different so you could get faster? Because when you know I remember Ethan Morrow's like, oh, he's a pretty fast player. But it was just, it was more the condition, not necessarily the speed. It was the ability to do it every shift that you had to change. Yeah, so I don't think so. I, th- I think you know a little bit about this, but my, so I was, I was really fortunate. I was kind of ahead of the curve because I had a track and field background and a yeah. powerlifting background. So I was doing like squats and powerless and guys were like, what the F are you doing? You know, like nobody's seen this before. So I had, I knew that, but, but to do that stuff, it, it, it literally took four or five years for that to pay off. Cause I remember like profoundly, like the one, I think the one year I had 17 goals, 
I was just faster because I was never really like I grew up playing like double B hockey. I never played triple A. Like I was a first round pick to the OHL just because I was a good athlete. I was never a great hockey player, right? So it always drove me crazy. Like when Ryan Smith would, you know, he get forty goals and I get twenty. And I'm like, I'm like stronger, I'm faster. Like why is this guy so much better at hockey than me? So it just shows you hockey's still a skill sport, right? But I did change. I, I was trying to get as big and strong and fast as possible anyway. So um, it, it, it really, it just, I guess it just worked out perfect because the team I got traded to, Edmonton, Edmonton really coveted speed. And that was kind of my only way to stay in the league, to be honest with you. And, you know, and all the injuries I had were mostly shoulders and hands and, um, you know, my, my, my back and knees and that's why I played songs. I could skate, which most people don't think from a bigger guy, but that's what kept me in the league. Oh no, you could you could skate for sure. And um, you know, the, when you look back, you still played 928 games. But you're right, you, you had a string of you know of unfortunate injuries. I remember it was in a fight when I think your shoulder popped out uh, uh, in, in a fight was that was was noticeable. Uh, there was the one. Now Struddy told me a story when, when he hurt his ankle playing basketball. He tried to hide it. He came into practice the next day and you know put his foot in a boot and it was and then he gets on the ice and he fell over and then he gets and he pretended that he got hurt in practice and then he, we go off the ice and the trainer's like dude this didn't just happen this is like huge take me back to that basketball injury for you like kind of fluky and, and how frustrating was it well i guess the irony is so like my basketball is my first sport so i grew up on this logging road and the only thing on the road was um a flying fishing camp and this for some reason this great basketball camp so my parents were teachers so i'd go there and the cool thing is I go to Chicago in the late 90s, right? So um, I watched the, the Bulls win three championships. But anyway, so we had a rookie party the night before in Phoenix. And I think you remember our group. We had a super time. But we were, we're, we were also very dedicated off the ice. And we, we were being responsible. I think it was Hork and I. We, we had a team bus. Obviously, Jason was our captain. But we had a team bus um, to go to the gym. And not too many teams do that after a rookie party. So what we do sometimes is we warm up and play basketball. Yeah. So somebody had the, the clever idea to say, junior guys against college guys, right? And... Um, yeah, so when it, it was the winning layup, by the way, we won. So I go, I go up, I'm dominating, probably a triple double. Hork, Hork undercuts me, so I land, I land on my foot. But like you said, like I knew right away, like um, it's it's not good, right? Oh. And and so so Stevie and Jason and Hork and they're so like you're gonna be fine, like it's okay, it's okay, it's just a sprain, it's just a sprain. Like boys, it's bad, right? So I I go on the bench and it just blows up and they're almost have tears in their eyes like we're screwed like we're in so much trouble <laughs> so i go back so i go back to the uh, hotel room um i tell counter trainer i said you know i broke my i broke my i broke my ankle it's i i know it's broken and then mac t comes in our room and and and, and not you know not putting the pieces together like we were going to the gym and that was our warm up because our room just smells like booze, right? We had a rookie party. So um, he wasn't happy. And then Kevin came in. And then, so Kevin was the GM of the Olympic team. And they were going through that. I don't know if you remember, but they were going to try to do, like, not just pick all the best guys, but yes. actually pick penalty killers. Yes. So Dra Draper and Maltby. But I had more, I think, I think at that point I was leading the. And he challenged shorthanded points. So Kevin's like, yeah, we're a really good chance. He goes, it's, you know, it's probably 70-30, but I'm, I'm 
I'm pulling for you. Like, you know, you, you have a chance. And um, so he made he made sure to tell me that that chance was ruined. <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, just, just kind of adding a little pain to it. Yeah. Yeah, they weren't happy. But but then again, I, I was like, well, at least I'm good enough that they, you know, they, they're, they're pissed off. But it was, it sucked. I, I honestly, it didn't, it didn't really mentally like i knew i didn't do anything wrong and obviously my next contract there was a lot of clauses in it but um <laughs> yeah we're well you know it, and again we're just like again we were a very disciplined team and we we're just going to work out but yeah that was a long-winded uh answer to Struddy's uh angle so, so, Struddy can't play basketball see uh, well yeah, yeah he... that's the difference, that's the difference. <laughs> now did was did uh was it a cheap shot by horkoff when you were going to the rim <sighs> well <clears throat> I don't think so. He's a Michigan State guy. Um, I don't think. See, it's just it's just etiquette, right? Like when you go up to dunk, or um, you just get out of the way, right? Like when like you get out of the way for the guy to land. So it's just probably he just didn't know that, and uh, and uh, but it got it got pretty heated. Somebody somebody should have said, "Hey, this is getting heated," and and uh, I'm trying to think who was there, but. Um, it was a, I remember it was like 11, 10 or something, but nobody, nobody realized at the time, but we probably weren't in the best position to be going all out in the basketball game. <laughs> Ethan Morrow, Joe, well, it's funny because you don't make it to the NHL with, without being highly competitive and right. Like I know people always, oh yeah, these guys are competitive, but no, like they're ridiculously competitive when it, you know, anything you play, you play a game of tiddlywinks and eventually if it goes on too long, someone gets a little annoyed. Was there ever another off ice uh, incident in your career that makes you kind of chuckle when you, it got too heated, even though it shouldn't have, and then all of a sudden it just boils over because the natural competitiveness of a bunch of alpha males all together. Yeah, I think I think so. We had a very unique situation in Edmonton, and I don't think it had anything to do with other than just um, luck. Like we were the core group, um, even though, you know, we didn't have a tremendous amount of success, but we were kept together. Like to, to play in one city for as long as I did and to raise my kids with, 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 with Jason Smith and Steve Stales and Sean Horkoff and Alex Chemsky, like we were together a long time. That doesn't happen. And I I don't think there's enough attention brought to that. And that's probably about, and I I know that's why we went to the finals. And I also know that's why Stoli and Greeny led that Kings team because they were the leaders of that team. And and I like to think that guys like Jason and uh, Alex, I know he shaped um, Matt and, 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 because I was there and my brother was on that team and those guys, those, those were the two leaders of that team. Um, so we had, um, we had competitive guys, but I think once, once you spend like five or six years together and this, and this, and this, um, includes the coaches as well, Matt T. So you, you become more than, more than teammates and more than a coach. It's, it's, it's now your brothers, right? But you know how you treat your family, you treat them a lot, Harsh, more harshly than somebody you meet on the street. So, to answer your question, yeah, we had very, very heated arguments that people probably don't know about it. But, but it was because we like we loved each other, right? You don't do that to somebody you don't know. So we were so close in that in that regard that the the competitiveness would would come out in a game of cards or golf or um, it always happened. It happened almost every trip somebody would be. <laughs> 
they were like little kids, but <laughs> you're exactly right. Uh, Ethan Morrow joins us. Ethan, you mentioned how, you know, you felt like you were a great athlete, not necessarily like a natural skilled hockey player. You know, you, you went to Niagara, you never really played a high level. You get drafted to the Ontario League. And you know what? You had really good success there. You know, your final two years, you were a 98, 96 point player. And that led to you getting drafted in, in 1994, uh, even before that by, um, by Chicago. So when you get drafted by the Blackhawks, 14th overall, that was after, I think, your 98 point season. You also had 100 penalty minutes. So you weren't just a, a score you know you're a rugged player we saw that when you played did like were you surprised like how how did you react for a guy who maybe doesn't view himself as a natural hockey player just a really good athlete was was that kind of was that draft for you almost surreal in a way um maybe maybe not just because of what what you mentioned i had i and i played i played uh the whole year in a playing cast i broke my hand in i think the 10th game of the year so i, I had 44 goals and i think 59 games but i also knew like and i know i know we'll get to this but the things i'm teaching kids now that are 12 13 years old i didn't know how to do like i remember so you know you know jr i think fairly well yeah. Tony Monte, they both have like that big boston accent i remember they were so they're so, they're saucing the puck. Everybody knows what that means. So, so they're just elevating the puck over a stick. And I come up to them like, "Hey, what are you guys doing?" They're like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like, "What are you guys doing?" They're like, "We're we're saucing the puck." I'm like, "Well, teach me." And they're like, "What the f? Like, this is our first round draft pick." <laughs> yeah. So I didn't know how to do that, right? So and, I, and here I am in the NHL, and I don't know how to sauce the puck. You think of the difference of like. Kaner coming into the league, or guys are so. It's just it's just a different different animal right and then jr telling me teaching me how to one time the puck so i literally didn't stop getting like i i kept getting better like i worked with um um patrick kane one summer i didn't get i didn't stop getting better until around 30 31 which is unheard of now right but that's when i got i felt like i was a pretty good player that because i learned all that stuff like like my hands got better. My shot, my, my offensive instincts get, got better. But um, I think, I guess a lot of guys are in that situation. And again, it was a big, tough, macho league. Like that 94 draft, like Shelly Oshoten always makes fun, <laughs> makes fun of me. Um, I had the frosted tips and like probably like 220. We were just animal, like big, big dudes, right? And it was just a totally different sport. Like it was, um, you know, you're just walking around like it was so macho. It was so embarrassing. But everything was like toughness, right? Like, yeah. Um, especially that first round. If you go back and look at it, it's crazy. Yeah, Ethan Morrow joins us, and you know, like you were the 14th overall pick. You played the ninth most games out of out of that draft class, and you know that's that's like a 928 game career, man. Like, there's you're talking top 200 game played of all time right like do you ever sit back and you know and like i know retirement's harder for some guys than it is for others how was it for you you know the, the initial years of retirement and uh did have you have you been able to enjoy and look back on your career with a lot of excitement or did it take a while for you to to be thankful of your career it took a while like i there's never my success was I love playing the games. Like I, there was not one game where I wasn't thankful and grateful for playing in the game. And I'd be, I'd skate around a warm up, 
my second hundred or my nine hundred. Again, I played seventeen years, so like a guy like Dvorak would have fourteen hundred games. But I never, I never thinking because a lot of people are like, oh, you had bad luck. I'm like, I had good. I played nine hundred games in the NHL. That's good luck, yeah. <laughs> you know, for a guy that's not incredibly skilled. So, um, but to answer your question, Jason, that like losing, so losing in the finals when you know you're the better team never i think about it every single day um like i'm not picking on montreal actually should i work for them but <laughs> when they when they lost in the finals they don't think about they don't think about they lost the Stanley cup cuz they play that 18 times they lose 18 times where you know the story you know we beat detroit we beat san jose we beat anaheim then we're like holy shit like we're we're going to win, right? So losing losing when you're supposed to win um, really hurts. And and you can take some solace that you made it to the finals, and I, I think I do a little bit. But, um, um, yeah, like that's – I don't think there's a day that goes by that I, don't, that I don't think about it, right? Because why else would I play, right? You get a lot of money, but, like, you want to win the Stanley Cup. So, you know, I'm not, it's not sour grapes. It's just answering your question. Yeah, that, no, I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, that, that, that's the regret. Yeah, no, and that's totally valid. I, I could imagine, and especially in seven games, right? Like if, if you lose in four, you know, maybe it's a little bit easier to accept, but you lose in seven, yeah. you, you know, your starting goaltender goes down, you still battle back, the Pisani shorthanded goal, and then you blow them out in game six. Like I, I'm certain that every player, when you were on that plane back to Carolina, because I know every Oiler fan was like, oh, my God, like they're going to win the Stanley Cup. Right. And yeah, that game, that game six, man, was like we're overconfident, and, and, and it go. And I wish, I wish, I could help somebody down the road that, like, and again, if we weren't that confident, we would have been that. But like, we kicked the shit out of them, like, and, and I mean physically, like yeah. they wanted no part of it, and our and our crowd was buzzing. But then, it, so game seven, there's something else that happened. Is they played way better. We, we hadn't seen their best, and all of a sudden, we're nervous. I don't think we were mentally prepared for it. Again, if it happened again in a different lifetime, I, like that time we had that we went to the Rangers practice facility, I think more time should have been spent on preparing for that moment because we didn't have guys that were in that moment, and they did. Um, and then in game seven, they play well. You know, we're no offense to Juicy and, and, Ty, and Ty Conklin, but they're playing a guy that wins the Calder and we got a guy that hadn't played since Christmas, right? So the fact that that goes seven, we still thought we were going to win, but they played really well in game seven. And I know a lot of the, like, people probably would an asshole like not giving Carolina its due, but I, I, I played it and I know I know the way the series is going. And, and uh, yeah, so it was, it, it uh, but that's, that, that's, uh, I guess that's the way it is now too. It's not so much in hockey. I guess football's the healthiest team wins, but hockey's going to turn out to be a little bit like that. Like you can't you can't lose your starting goal. It's, yeah, you know you're screwed. Yeah, it's pretty difficult to do. No question. Uh, Ethan Morrow uh, joins us. We'll take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll talk more of your time with the orders. Of course, by a longtime NHLer, 17 years in the NHL, 928 games. Uh, the majority of those spent as a member of the Edmonton Orders. Also, the uh, 12th captain in Orders franchise history. Uh, Ethan. 
Morrow is our guest. And, uh, you know, Ethan, we got a lot of texts uh, coming in. A few of them, uh, I do want to ask you this one just because chuckle. Um, I, I laugh at this only because I still remember Pat Quinn with who is, oh my God, he had some of the funniest lines ever. I know it, uh, um, it was a tough year at times with Quinn, but man, his line about there was a lot of beefcake in that photo shoot is still one of the funniest ones. Um, give me your thoughts on how did, was it easy or did you have to get talked into, uh, doing the photo shoot with, uh, Surrey and Cogliano? I honestly, so that was the first, that was the first, um, year of the body issue. Yeah. And I just knew that Springino was in the cover. So I was like, for a guy like me, it's like going to the awards and winning the King Clancy award. I'm never going again. I'm never going to be in the ESPN magazine again. So, um, <laughs> the, the irony is I was at, uh, we're having, we're having, uh, uh, we're having wings and beers on, uh, what, Earl's on uh, Twitter. Is that Earl's? Or it doesn't matter. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think Shelly might have tricked me a little bit, but I I, did, I didn't know what to expect. And in retrospect, it was uh, I'm 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 glad I did it, but I didn't know how much attention it would get. And and um, well, well, you're talking about it now, but yeah. like I, I I'll and especially now because I'm forty whatever forty seven. So you have like people from Edmonton, I guess, females or males, I guess that, that they bring they bring it up a lot. Yeah, so, I would think but, so. But I'm just pissed. So I, like, I didn't get paid for it. So oh, well, yeah, uh, that's a rip off. Yeah, that, that's my only regret. Like, <laughs> why did I do that for free? Like, you know. But, but uh, yeah, it was. But uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. Uh, so tell me when fun. that magazine comes out. Like I know how a dressing room is, and if guys aren't juicing you, that means they don't like you. So I can imagine um, how much fun your teammates would have had with that. Uh, you know, when it came out, like who was the guy that you felt probably had the most fun just chirping you guys? And the thing is, like, it's hard to chirp because you're like, well, dude, the guys are all in great shape. Like it's it's a hard thing to chirp, but I know guys would yeah. still find something to chirp. So. So I don't think people are realize how tough Sheldon was. So if Sheldon didn't want to get chirped, he, no one was he put an end to that in a hurry, and nobody said a effing word. <laughs> so so we were fine. So it was it was short lived. So they would if Surrey's around. No, I know Surrey was I'm, tough. I'm sure there was a lot behind her back, but no, nobody nobody really had the. Uh, I shouldn't say the balls, but I mean, like guys like we let you know Hork and Hammer and those guys like my very close friends. But there wasn't many guys that would uh, other than that that would say anything. And and again, it was. Uh, um, at, at the time, I would never use, like, I don't want to say I was proud of it, but I, I mean, I work my ass off. Like, I'm not genetically like that, right? Like, like that's that, uh, like, for me to play in the end, that, that's me at 2.30. Like, I, I had to, like, starve myself for 20 years. So if I got into a magazine, then that's great. Oh, yeah, there's nothing wrong. Are you kidding me? Like, you must have bought a few <laughs> copies and posted them up in your room. Are you kidding me? Like, are you, I'm sure Ornell is probably walking around, hey, uh, yeah, that's my husband. What's happening? So, uh, you know, there's, there's, lots of, uh, there's lots of good things about it. Did you have any other players around the league say, hey, because they would want to do it? Like, cause I know there's some guys who'd be like, I'd want to try that. Like, did guys ever ask you how you got involved or how they could get involved? No, again, it was really new. Um, I will say it's, I think it's still the, the, the largest selling copy, probably because of Serena, but um, I, I know that, like, it's, I think there's been a hockey guy every year. I haven't paid attention, but, um, yeah, nobody said really anything. Like, it wasn't really an, an issue other than other than Pat's uh, comments, but we had a lot bigger issues than that. <laughs> oh, like, do you have... 
Do you have a favorite Pat Quinn story? Like, I know it was tough because you guys had had a lot of success. You were a competitive team for a long time. And then the final years in Edmonton obviously didn't go the way. And I'm sure that's even harder when you're used to competing. And then suddenly you're on a team that has no, that isn't competitive. Like, that sucks as a yeah. player. But, you well, know, and, yeah, and I, yeah. And I was the captain, right? Yeah. So, so again, you go from being beloved to being a captain that gets a lot of um, scrutiny because I was just being honest. But so for me, a lot of the funny stuff, like, you know how I was. Like, I was I was pretty serious. Like I think people that knew me knew I had a sense of humor, but I came to work and I, I didn't I didn't screw around. So a lot of the stuff. And again, Pat Quinn is a legend. Like when I talked to Dougie Gilmore um, or Dennis Savard, like so for me, it's hard to like tell a story and poke fun as, as a, a human being that don't know that well and I know is literally a, a, a legend right but I will tell a funny story I hope I hope that this is in this is in um, um, respectful but it also shows the point we we're at and maybe um, he shouldn't have been in that position but so I had a charity event and uh, I was at the stallery so I got to the ring pretty early um really early and he got there at the same time he ha- and he dressed really he dressed off he had a three-piece suit on so i was just thinking this guy's got like a luncheon after the game right after the practice so this is at eight o'clock we had our, our meeting at 10 and the thing that pissed me off is nobody this other assistant coaches tom Randy, i'm not sure who else but from eight to ten nobody else talked to him because at 10 o'clock he came out and he started giving um, the pregame speech for our next game, but we didn't play that night, right? Yeah. So everybody thinks that's funny, but I'm like, that's not, that's not funny. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, we're in last place. But anyway, so I, I was more pissed that, like, nobody – and I don't think it was – I don't think it was um, um, intentional or, or, or somebody was trying to throw him under the bus, but he started to go over the game plan for the game thinking we're playing that night that's why i had the suit on right yeah so i'm putting it all together in my head and it was just awkward (laughs) so it was uh it was funny it was funny and the guys thought it was hilarious but it was more i don't i I didn't i didn't think it was that funny because i didn't want to laugh at him and i also wasn't really thrilled with being in in the position we're in yeah yeah ethan morrow joins us uh yeah losing i don't care what anybody says it it I can imagine a wears, you know, I saw an interview with Mario Ferraro. The Sharks have lost 12 in a row. Now they lost 11 in a row to start the season. Like that is, like that is brutal. I don't, I don't care. You know, and he even admitted, like, it just wears on you mentally more than anything else, right? Like you can, yeah. and, and, and I'm sure, like, there's games when you would go into games, you're like, you know what? We're going to win or we're really competitive. And if we play well, we got a chance. And I'm, that year you'd play like, we can play our best. And we still might not win. Like, how did how did you deal with that as a captain? Did you be ha- did you have to become more of a raw raw guy automatically, or is it hard because you're frustrated because you're like, I'm a professional, I want to compete, and we're just not competitive. Well, well, I, pro- I probably didn't handle it, it. I probably didn't handle it all the way I should have because. So I'll tell you exact. I'll tell you the the the, the complete story. So I'm, I'm training with Jason in in Los Angeles. I'm already not thrilled because we've we've let go. Um, and correct me if I got this in the wrong sequence, but Rafi. So Rafi. Yeah. 
Stoli. Rafi and Stoli. Green. Who, and again, to, to build a championship team, and this is getting a little bit technical, but I really believe in this. You have your leadership, and then you have your middle leadership. And and so Stoli, Rafi, and Green were in that group. And and, and, and our, our organization thought that the game was going to get really fast and skilled before it did. And they didn't, they didn't quite... Um, I don't think they, they they valued a guy like Jason Smith and in, 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 in wanting to be in the city too, which again is hard for people in Edmonton to hear, but a lot of guys don't want to come to Edmonton, right? So if you have a guy that wants to be there, you hold on to him, right? Yeah. So again, my my captain if Jason Smith leaves, I asked for a trade the next day. Because I, I'm not going down. As, you know what I mean? I can see what's going on. Instead, I get named captain. So now I got to kind of, you know, be professional. Um, but I still, I, I, I didn't. I knew that group. I didn't. I didn't agree with what was happening. And um, it probably came across. And, and 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 you know, I still played as hard as I could. But I was also, you know, on the down end of my career. So there, there wasn't as much as I could do. I guess in, in, in years prior. Um, but yeah, I just think it was just, you know, it ran its course. And instead of, um, I guess not rewarding me, but maybe getting me out of there with, because they knew how close I was to those guys and just, you know, I don't know if there was much need to have me there as the captain, because like I said, I kind of voiced my opinion that it might be time to move on. Um, but it was very difficult because again, like, you know, I, I thought, you know, I had a great reputation in Edmonton, but being a captain of the last place team in the league, you know, sucks, right? Even though I was, it was so prideful to wear that jersey, and a lot of the stuff I do is because, of, like, you know, I was a captain of the Oilers. And, 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 and again, one of the biggest, probably, probably one of the biggest accolades I've had in my career, it probably is. I mean, not too many guys like me, like a guy like Bucky gets to wear the C for a, for a team that isn't the best player. So I don't know if I answered your question or what your question was, but that was kind of where my mindset was. Um, and it's just, it's kind of unfortunate because I really thought that we could have regrouped. Yeah. And this is again, getting a little bitter, but getting trading, trading prongs. I still thought we were a couple of players away from getting back to the finals. I really did. Ethan Morrow joins us. And, uh, Ethan, I always like your raw honesty, man. That's why I had you on. Uh, I knew you'd be a great guest on, uh, who is it Wednesday. And, um, you know what? Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, you're working for Montreal doing scouting and stuff, but you also have the, the Ethan Morrow hockey camps that uh, you've gotten into, uh, you know, and skill development on and off the ice. And, you know, you talked earlier how you joked when you came into Chicago, you're like, dude, I don't even know what sauce pass is. And well, nowadays, like kids at seven or eight are, you know, are saucing the puck. Um, kind of tell me, you know, how it's different and how it's evolved and, you know, kind of what got you into the camps and, and how much you like about working with the young kids because uh, I, I think if I'm not mistaken you're working like U11, U13, U15 age groups. Yeah so I think a, a lot of it comes from um, being a parent and being a hockey parent and seeing what's out there and seeing that a lot of the hockey schools or a lot of the camps are they're, they're strictly money makers. There's too many kids on the ice. Um, it's, it's a problem with hockey. Not just Hockey Canada, but hockey in Canada is. I don't think we're 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 doing the right thing. So it's 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 a place for me to put my uh, um, to back up what 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 I say. Like I I, I developed a um, a shooting a shooting program, which I'm really proud of. That I, I spent a lot of a lot of hours researching, talking to Brett Hall, talking to Obi. 
Um, and it all started actually with Billy Morris. I was about 28 years old, and he just said, hey, um, when you shoot the puck, your head position is a little bit. Anyway, so we started working on head position, right? Okay. And again, 20 years old, but it really helped me. Like it, 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 and I'm like, wow. So that's when I started to like develop this, this shooting um, uh, clinic that I do because you know how it is in Edmonton. The, the ice is so expensive and got, the teams go on the, on the ice and they might work on their systems, but hockey should be a repetition sport. It should be like golf where Tiger hits 2,000 balls a day. Um, Steph Curry takes 500, 3-pointers a day, but we don't take 200 one-timers a day. So that repetition um, breaking down the shot, like realizing why these sticks cost five hundred dollars, like you, like using that technology. Um, it's a lot of stuff we don't get to do because we have to do it on the ice, and so it's basically just deconstructing the shot um, and and helping kids shoot the puck better because you know scoring goals is is the best part of the game. So that's and and obviously there's other things I do in the camp that are a little bit more generic. Um, we're uh, coming to Edmonton on uh, uh, March 25th. River Cree's been awesome. Um, I had a camp before that, but we sold out. I think it's February 17th. Um, so it's something, again, like, I, you, you know, I've always worked with, I love kids that work with the salary in inner city high school. So it's, and, and, and I don't have to answer anybody, which is a good thing. Um, I'm not, uh, not having a boss helps me. And, and, and a lot of the, hockey jobs god bless them like like i love coaching but i don't have i don't have i don't have a big enough name to say hey i'm here i'm gonna coach in the nhl i have to work my way up like jason but i, I can't do it like that's you know what i mean i've lived that life i'm not gonna i'm not gonna ride the buses in the whl or the ahl so even though i love coaching this is a way for me to um um, be involved, but be involved where I want to be, and in, 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 in that in that kind of sweet spot where I can actually help kids. And so uh, people can go to to the website to check it out. It's uh, ethanmorrowhockey.com dot com. Uh, a day at a camp uh, illustrates it all. And so the register is the registration open for the March one in Edmonton yet? Um. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Yeah, 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 it is. It is. Um, I'm just looking at the, uh, um, yeah, it's March 25th. Um, one the... One is the shooting clinic, and the other one is a U13, U15 elite spring camp, which hasn't. I don't know if that's up, up on the site, but we don't have a. The other, the shooting clinic is, is filling up, but the U13, U15 elite camp, I think, just went up. So, um, again, 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 for me to um, make it profitable too, like in Ontario, a lot of people don't realize this, but like I'm, I'm not really. Um, it's hard for me to use my name because nobody really knows who I am, right? Because the Oilers, we always played that late game, right? So for me to capitalize on my name and, you know, like, um, you know, in, in, into, uh, you know, Southern Saskatchewan and, and, and Alberta. So it's amazing the difference, right? Like, because I just started doing this. I did a little bit back in Ontario and it wasn't, it's was kind of, I was doing a lot of stuff for the alumni, but it's amazing the response. And it feels good, right? Like people haven't forgot and like how quickly the camps fill up. But I'm, I'm just, I think I'm, I'm, I'm good at this or else I wouldn't do it. It's not just because I play in the NHL. I just, I enjoy doing it. And uh, again, it's, uh, why not be in Edmonton? Because that's, you know, obviously that's where my name is most recognizable. And one last one for you, Ethan. Um, when you look at the Edmonton orders this season and, uh, you know, guys who is captain of an organization, there, there's always, you know, there's that deep connection for sure. Um, you know, Connor McDavid's a pretty special player. Uh, Dry Settle is too, but, uh, like the orders are doing stuff. Like they've won three uh, at eight, three game winning. There are three, eight game winning streaks in a span of 45 games, which is pretty ridiculous to do. And, um, what do you look, you know, you look at this team, they've had some decent runs here the last few years. Um, how, how close do you think they are? Well, so, 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 so I'm a fan, so I, I feel the same frustration. I'm also a Leafs fan, I have to admit that. So <laughs> they, they, they do mirror each other a little bit. They're, they're both really exciting to watch. Um, I find myself getting a little frustrated um, just because arguably the two best players in the world. Like you look, you look at Crosby and Malkin and Taves and Kane, at this point they've won, right? Um, Mario Gretzky, so a, genera- a generational player. And again, not to be not to be uh, negative, but it's taking too long. We got to win quick because he doesn't necessarily have to stay here. I know people say he built a house. He can build a house anywhere. So we we need to win. Like we need we need to figure it out, and we need to win, not just win a round or two. Like like I think he's played how many games he played? Six hundred. Yeah, think? yeah, just six hundred and four. I think it is. Yeah. So like again, like you don't want to be Montreal where you waste the best goalie of our of our of my generation doesn't win the Stanley Cup. So I don't foresee that happening. I think he'll figure it out, but. Um, 
to answer your question, I don't think I don't, I don't think we're good enough right now. I think there needs there needs to be some additions, and 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 I think it's there's some awesome people, and again, like Koff, like Keith Gretzky's awesome, Nicholson, Kenny Holland. These are these are great people, right? So I don't Jeff Jackson, like, um, but but yeah, I don't think we're good enough right now. If you could make one addition, what would be your first addition to this this group? Well, like just I mean, position, not necessarily a player, be, just yeah, a position. I, mean, I could be a jerk and say, you know, we, we need a top five goalie, but there there's exceptions. But for the guys, the, the teams that win Stanley Cups, there's a top five player. There's a Norris Trophy winner, and there's probably a Vesna Trophy winner. And it, there aren't many exceptions. You look at Tampa, Boston, um Colorado does it just because they, they have the second best player in the world and the best defenseman in the world. The goalie's not irrelevant, but so I don't know. I just, I've never seen it done with just the two best players and OKD and, 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 and sorry, I know that goalie's from Edmonton and he's, I, I don't want to be a jerk, but like it, it is, is, is he good enough to win the cup? I don't know. Cause he hasn't. So, um, there, there is a formula, right? So, and again, Connor's so special that maybe he just destroys that formula and wins it on his own. But, um, you know, just looking at the last 20 years, I think only eight teams have won the Stanley Cup and they've had those three elements. So we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Vegas was the one that gives people hope because, uh, you know what, uh, Aiden Hill had, Aiden True. Hill had never really been that guy, right? And some of the, you know, so there are exceptions, but I, I, yeah. obviously, you know, you look at Tampa sure. and, you know, Tampa was really the, the freak show because they, you know, yeah. to have that many that. Hall of Famers is kind of crazy. Like that's, that's unreal today. I don't know if that's going to yeah, be really hard to have five. Ridiculous. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Yeah, it yeah. is for sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. Ethan, as always, my man, I appreciate, uh, great talking to you again. And, and, uh, we look forward to your camp when you come to town in March. We'll probably have you on again when you're here. Thanks, buddy. Good to see you, man. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.